You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Showtime. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shojai, and today I'm looking into how pets learn and the ways humans deal with behavior problems, maybe some of the more common behavior problems of uncommon companion pets. That brings me to my rant of the week. What do you do when your dog won't stop whining, or your cat pees on the carpet, or Oh my gosh, your companion parrot bites. Too many folks simply want the behavior to stop. Now, nothing wrong with that, of course. Or is there? Has our fast food society trained us to expect wand-waving magical cures and fixes for all of life's ills, including our pet's behavior problems? And are we shortchanging our animal companions by asking them to quite literally sometimes, put a sock in it instead of looking a little deeper. After all, maybe the dog cries because he hurts, or even he wants to warn us about something, communicate. Maybe the cat's urine baptism is a cry for help. Perhaps something we did prompts that bird to bite. Animals don't act out for no reason, even if clueless humans have trouble translating what they're trying to say. My guest today can answer many questions about how to deal with behavior problems. Dr. Susan Friedman is a psychology professor at Utah State University. She has helped pioneer efforts to apply animals, the scientific sound teaching technology and ethical standards of applied behavior analysis that's so helpful for human learners. So come, sit, Stay, and we'll be right back with Dr. Friedman after these messages. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Pawfume Dog Grooming and Finishing Spray is proud to be a new sponsor of Pet Life Radio. Pawfume Super Long Lasting Sprays are available in four unique fragrances. Each Pawfume spray is fortified with the finest conditioners and detanglers to make combing out your dog more fun. Pawfume retails for only $2 per 6-ounce bottle. Pawfume is available nationwide at all Dollar General and Family Dollar stores. Why pay more to have your dog smell great? Pawfume, P-A-W-F-U-M-E. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. 
Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do. And get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. And please help me welcome Dr. Susan Friedman to the show. Very nice to have you here. Thank you, Amy. Very nice (laughs) to be here. What I'd like to do first, uh, as I do with all of my guests, is have you explain a little bit about yourself and what animal companions share your life and love? Well, my background professionally is with behavior and learning. I started out for the first 20 years working with human children learners who had difficulty learning in our standard educational settings. So I worked with kids uh, that were in special education, mainly those that earned the label juvenile delinquent or behavior disordered. My pets at home um, include four wonderful parrots and three fabulous dogs. And uh, at, that, at this time, that's my full uh, menagerie. <laughs> that begs the question. I've, I've lived with dogs. I lived with a parrot for a short period of time many years ago. How do these very different creatures, how do they get along? Well, they get along very well. Um, they live as a family of, of learners together. And I think part of our success living as a family is that uh, the birds came first and the dogs came into the house as puppies that already had parrots in it. And so they've grown up with uh, knowing the limits of interactions with the other members of their family. So are the parrots boss or do the dogs get to call the shots sometimes? We really don't have too many bosses in our house. We're, we're arranged more as a family unit where everybody has an opinion and uh, we try and maximize choice for all the members of the family. Oh, I love that answer. I love that answer because in today's society, there is so much that people that have pets are read or taught by other people that that somebody has to be the boss. Somebody has to be the, quote, alpha in the household. And, and you're telling me that's not necessarily the case. Absolutely not. I think that's one arrangement a family can have. Um, but it's mainly what I call our cultural fog that has us seeing the world in terms of these straight-line hierarchies 
whether it's a hierarchy at work or a hierarchy in uh, Boy Scouts or in the Army, hierarchies are very familiar to humans. And we, I think, too often project that cultural perspective onto the relationships that we have with our animals and often see it in the animal's behavior as they relate to each other as well, even when it's not necessarily what's going on. Oh, so so maybe we think that that dog is bossing the other guy around when something else could be going on. Absolutely. And we have enough science on the behavior of dogs as well as the behavior of parrots that suggests we need to rethink that straight line alpha dominance hierarchy as our knee-jerk explanation for why animals do what they do. Okay, so there's not necessarily a bottom of the totem pole. And and I know with cats, when I talk with folks and try to counsel them, the kitty cat's social standing can change even from room to room and whether one cat is present or not. Absolutely. And that's really one of the main themes in the information that I disseminate to pet caregivers is that motives change when the environmental conditions change. So if you change rooms, then relationships change, behavior changes. If you change availability of toys, things change um, between animals. And so the notion that behavior is somehow fixed and stable, unchanging in the wind, is really uh, uh, incorrect, and it slows us down in being able to get successful relationships with with our pets. Instead, we need to think of behavior as very flexible according to what environment the behavior is occurring in. I wanted to get back to some of these, they're kind of fancy-sounding terms, uh, functional assessment and intervention design. They kind of sound like an architect talking. Could you tell us in layman's terms, what do those mean and why might they be important to our pets? Well, functional assessment is... uh, a very simple and effective tool in trying to understand how the environmental conditions influence behavior. And so it goes back to your original idea of what, where does behavior come from? Is it something that changes with conditions or is there always one dominant animal that's dominant over all the resources? Functional assessment allows people to evaluate the relationship between in the environment in which the behavior occurs in two ways. The antecedent environment is the environment that occurs before the behavior occurs. So with antecedent analysis, we ask ourselves, what's occurring in the environment before the behavior that makes that behavior the one the animal chooses? And the second part of the environment to assess is called the consequences. Those are the outcomes of behaving. So we ask, why does the animal behave in that way given those antecedent conditions? And we look to the consequences of behaving for that answer. And that neatly falls into this tool called the ABCs, antecedent conditions, the behavior itself, and the consequence outcomes. If we can identify the antecedent conditions that make a particular behavior more likely, we might be able to change the occurrence of that behavior 
by changing the antecedent conditions. And if we can understand what outcome the animal is seeking to get by choosing that behavior, the consequence of behavior, behaving that way, we might be able to provide that consequence for a more appropriate behavior. So for example, you mentioned a parrot that bites. So let's put that in the B term of our ABC functional okay. analysis, parrot biting. And let's consider first, what are the outcomes that a parrot would choose to bite for? All right. I know that when I saw you a couple of weeks ago in Houston at the IAABC conference and you gave a great presentation and had some film footage of parrots being asked to step up on a finger. That's right. And if you recall, just as the parrot was about to step onto that finger, the caregiver turned their hand away, making it harder for that bird to step up because the perch didn't feel secure. So in that case, we might guess that the outcome for biting was that the person removes their hand and stops asking for the bird to step up. They back away. So that's our first assessment. The function of the behavior of biting was to get the consequence of removing the person's hand. And we can understand that a parrot would choose not to step on to an unsteady hand. So that BC relation makes sense to us. The parrot bit, not for no reason, or not because it was borderline schizophrenic. <laughs> he, he bit for a functional outcome to remove a hand that was unsteady. Then the last step is to go to the antecedent part of our ABCs and ask, what in the preceding conditions before the bite help us predict the bite was going to occur? Do you remember seeing anything in that video I showed that would uh, predict the bird would bite at that time? Well, the bird would move his head and his beak in such a way that it was almost offering almost there were several different things he would he would lift one foot and then put it back down. He would turn his head slightly and reach out and then pull back. Right. Those were, those were all things that would signal to a very observant caregiver that the bird was uncomfortable. And when we look at antecedent conditions, we're actually looking at the physical environment. If you remember, the perch was very high right. so that it was difficult for the caregiver to offer their hand in a stable way. So one thing we might suggest is to lower that perch, not because the bird is being dominant. We've already established that our best guess for biting was to remove an unstable hand. We would lower that perch as part of our antecedent arrangement to enable the bird to step more securely onto a firmly offered hand. So if we put all of this together, the antecedent conditions that make the bite likely was the caregiver turning their hand away at the last second and also having that bird on a very high perch so that the caregiver couldn't offer a steady hand well. And we now understand, or our best guess, is that the biting was to remove that hand. Once we have our ABC in mind, we've identified antecedents that lead to the problem behavior and the reason for behaving from the animal's point of view, that is the consequences, 
we can then rethink how we arrange our environment. We can design a new environment and we can call that process designing our intervention. We can teach the caregiver to give a firm, steady hand and keep it still as the bird puts both feet on the hand. We can help the caregiver lower the perch. We can offer big rewards for stepping up to the hand. We change both the antecedents and the consequences to change the behavior. The important part is we stop blaming the bird for the biting because we understand that behavior is always a part or dependent on the environment in which it occurs. That high perch, that sloppily offered hand, lent to the bite, and the removal of the hand gave it purpose, gave it a function. Well, we will continue our conversation with Dr. Susan Friedman after messages from these sponsors. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Give your dog some thought. With Dog Thoughts, it's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. Hey, what do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. Now, I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's why. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Join us every week on Wings and Things, where you'll find real answers to real questions about everything you want to know about pet birds. Care, feeding, bird products, travel, and more. Everything to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. From parrots to parakeets, cockatiels to cockatoos, you'll have a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about your fun, feathered friends. We're your hosts, Barbara Heinrich from Good Birding and Robin Schwokas from the Leather Elves. How do I learn more about my parrots? Spread your wings and get ready to fly. Wings and Things, only on PetLifeRadio.com.
Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. We're back. And again, speaking with Dr. Susan Friedman. She has given many workshops and conference presentations, including the Association of Avian Veterinarians, the European Association of Zoos and Aquaria, and Moore Parks College's Exotic Animal Training and Management Program. Now, Dr. Friedman, I wanted to get back to the whole idea of parrots because, I, as I said, I know very little about them, but I'm fascinated. What is the number one thing that most people assume about these birds that might be wrong? Oh, I think the number one thing that people assume that is wrong about having parrots is that they can live quietly in a cage and require very little attention from their caregivers. They're very think, social creatures, aren't they? Uh, they are indeed, and, and you're, you're again observant to point that out. They live socially in flocks and small family groups. Uh, they are designed to be flyers, to view the world from above as well as from the ground. And they put out a lot of energy working all day long, um, finding their food and interacting with one another. So when we bring these animals into our homes, um, we, we mustn't be fooled by the fact that they come with a cage um, because they, are not, they, they will not thrive in those cages. They require an awful lot of caregiver intervention, caregiver interaction, and environmental arrangements for enrichment and activity. Okay, tell me something about enrichment for birds. I know what to do with cats and dogs, but what do you do for birds? That's a great question um, because it's uh, the same goal to keep them busy and active, but in different ways. People often complain that they don't put uh, toys in the birds' cages or at their playstations because the birds chew them up. We know that that's what birds do in the wild. They've been designed over eons to use those powerful and strong beaks to be able to decimate wood and open very hard-hulled nuts. And so we need to simulate those activities in the environment that we bring them into, our living rooms, if they are to thrive under our care. So enrichment items includes a lot of wood um, of varying sizes and types. Um, and hardnesses for them to use that natural, evolved chewing mechanism with their beaks. We know that um, they are built to fly, and doing that safely in captivity is quite a challenge. Um, And we know that they're designed to be social, to preen one another, um, and to be with others of their own kind. So this makes them an extremely challenging pet. Uh, They don't have that long domestic history uh, that dogs and cats do for living in our homes. Well, do parrot behaviors vary much by species or are all, is a bird a bird a bird? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting thing to consider as a behavior analyst. My study is always the study of one, of the individual learner. And so from my point of view, birds individually vary from one another. They vary according to species to some degree, but most importantly, they vary as individuals, just like our own children or our own siblings vary from one another. And it's important to 
um, customize our interactions and our relationships and the environment we provide for each bird as an individual. That's the most important uh, level at which to understand a learner is the learner as an individual, regardless of species or uh, lineage, their genetics. The individual we have in front of us is the one that tells us what they need to thrive. I wanted to touch also on when you spoke at the conference, you talked something about giving our companions back some control. Could you speak to that? Yes, that's been a very, very important theme um, in my work. I started out um, reading uh, the going information on animal care, particularly parrot care, but this applies to our children as well, uh, that uh, the problem with parrot uh, misbehavior was that the humans didn't have enough control over them. And I went to the scientific literature and began studying this issue of controlling another animal. And I learned quickly that there was a lot of science that strongly suggests that animals must have choices in their lives. They must have some control over their own outcomes to be behaviorally healthy. And I've come to understand that behavior is not separate from an animal's biology. It's part of every animal's nature to behave. And that the purpose of behaving is to affect your own outcomes, to change the environment in a way that has value for you. Every time we stop an animal from making a choice or we control their outcomes for them, such as when we force them onto our hand or we force them into a cage, we are taking away their evolved behavioral mechanism to make choices and behave for an effect. So we do need animals that behave successfully as companions in our homes, but the way to teach them to behave successfully should have as little force as possible so that we leave as much choice to them as we can and keep them behaviorally healthy. So then to deal with one of the behaviors that people would assume is a, a problem. I mean, screaming is not, that is a, something that is normal behavior for parrots in certain circumstances. Parrots make loud noises. But for a person, for a human, that is a behavior problem. So what do we do? to deal with that so that these two species can coexist and the bird doesn't end up being dumped. As I saw last night on the evening news, there was a story about uh, a lot of rescue parrots being uh, abandoned or relinquished these days. Yes, I heard about that newscast. And anything that raises people's awareness of these problems is, is a, great, uh, a great thing. Uh, again, you make interesting points. Parrots do have a naturally loud vocalization history. They live where great expanses need to be covered by their voices. But that isn't usually what the problem is when people uh, give up a parrot due to screaming. What happens is their natural use of their uh, vocal, vocal behavior gets supersized because they're left in cages with too little to do very often or left alone when we've already, you know, acknowledged that they are a social species. And so they over, over vocalize 
and people give them attention in an effort to stop them. What happens most often is that attention then reinforces the normal amount of vocalizing so that the animal is truly screaming all day long beyond the natural use of their voice. The key to this behavior problem and all behavior problems is not to ask what shouldn't the bird do. The bird shouldn't scream. Instead, the key is to ask what do you want the animal to do instead of the problem behavior. And you can ignore the problem behavior once you've identified what you want the animal to do instead. Then you can set that as a learning target and arrange a teaching strategy for the animal to learn what to do instead. So for that screaming parrot, we might want them to use an English word instead. And so we train them to say hello to get our attention instead of using their very loud and abrasive voices. And particularly if you can train or teach your companion parrot or your dog or your cat a behavior that replaces that and that they cannot, you know, the dog can't bark if he is instead bringing you a toy. You know, if he's using something that is contradictory to the behavior that's objectionable, you're going to, both of you are going to win. That's right. So what you're describing in science terms is called training an incompatible behavior. When we ask that key question, what do you want the animal to do instead, and we get that behavior target, if we can pick a behavior target that the animal can't do at the same time as doing the problem behavior, if it is incompatible with the problem behavior, that's a very strong intervention because you teach an animal to do something instead that knocks the problem behavior right off the board because they can't do both at the same time. I'd love to speak with you more about this. Uh, Where can our listeners find you? Do you have a website where they can learn more? I do. It is www.behaviorworks.org. Great. Well, we are out of time, but I would like to thank Dr. Susan Friedman and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. I dare you to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio for the next installment of What Hisses You Off. Email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. Don't forget, you can still subscribe to the free Pet Peeves newsletter available at Shujai.com. Woofs, purrs, and feather flaps until next time. Remember that understanding the basics of learning is key to helping with any behavior problem you may have. After all, you don't want your critters to get peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.